This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now... I'm back, baby! I'm back! The boys are back in town! Turned around, guys. We are back, baby. We are back. We are back. Classic. We are back. We are back. We are getting back. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. Have all four sidekicks ever been in the same place at the same time? Don't call us sidekicks. Not after today. I'm back in business, baby! Why let them tell us what to do? It's simple. Get on board or get out of the way. You just don't get it, do you? You went off mission. That was a huge mistake. Impulse? That's so crash! I'm back, baby! Why isn't anyone ever just whelmed? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Everyone Loves Young Justice podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to the show. Now, before you say anything, Jay is here, but this intro did not exist previously. On episode 14, Jay and I had done a big recording session like we normally like to do, and we'll try and just record as much material as we can so we can break it up over a couple of episodes. So this is where we're at for the next episode. So this is going to continue the discussion we had on the previous episode of the 2020 version of Young Justice. And with this episode, this will get us current. And then, yes, some of you might be asking, we are going to return to 19. 1998 version of Young Justice. But before we do that, we have a couple issues left of the 2020 version of Young Justice. That's issues 13 and issue 14. Plus, we decided to add in Action Comics 1020 and 1021 as Young Justice is a part of that as well. And we'll talk about how and why we are going to do those two issues later on in this episode. But you can find us on all the social media outlets. We are on Twitter at ELYJ Podcast. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ELYJ Pod. You can email into the show, and that'd be kind of cool to get a few. You can email us at ELYJ Podcast at Yahoo.com. And if you listen to the show, leave a review on iTunes. That will help spread the word. Actually, I should say on Apple Podcasts. That'll help spread the word of the show. And one final thing that I'm happy to announce, and it's actually happening here first, 
that we have a website, so to speak, a, a blog spot page for the show, the ELTD Network. So since these shows are kind of connected to Everyone Loves the Drake and Everyone Loves Young Justice, the actual names of the show are Robin, Colin, Everyone Loves the Drake, Everyone Loves Young Justice. So I've got a Robin thing going on. So I thought you can go to the Batman universe and find all the links for the shows and hear the podcast. But if you want some extra content and some more information and just some other thoughts of Tim Drake and Young Justice, this is where you can go. And there will be links to the Batman universe there. But this gives me a little bit more freedom to add more show notes and pictures and information that I don't necessarily get to do and post on the Batman universe. So you can go to everyone loves the Drake dot blogspot dot com. That's everyone loves the Drake dot blogspot dot com. So the day that the episode comes out, cross your fingers that I will have a post that coincides with that episode. So currently right now, the everyone loves the Drake episode one thirteen That was our JL may episode is currently up right now with some notes and some images and things like that. And you can also comment on the page there as well. And then you're going to see young justice there as well. So this is the ELTD network. And again, hosted and sponsored by the batmanuniverse.net so definitely go check out our host site but if you want a little bit more robin and young justice go check out everyone loves the drake.blogspot.com for more information and i hope you'll give the page a look so there's not going to be any really preamble no discussion or anything like that we're going to get right into it you're going to hear a promo and the synopsis for issues 13 and issues 14 and like i said this will complete our journey up till now since we've been under this covid thing and we haven't had any comics come out for a while so we will get us caught back up currently in our comic pile for young justice and then we will do some action comics discussion and this will also conclude our bendis dump before we get back to 1998 so don't go anywhere we will be right back in just a few minutes In late 1984, Marvel's direct sales manager sat in a crowded meeting of comic retailers. Let's be honest, Secret Wars was crap, right? But did it sell? The room exploded with applause. Well, get ready for Secret Wars Series 2. Beginning in 2018, Pulp to Pixel's Marvel superhero Secret Wars and Beyond will do the unthinkable Secret Wars 2. We'll take a detailed look at the event, the tie-ins, the new characters, and we will attempt to answer one of the largest questions in the history of the Marvel Universe. What the heck was Jim Shooter thinking? No, no, seriously, what was Jim Shooter thinking? Well, you can find out at the Pulp to Pixel Podcast Network, where you can subscribe to all of our amazing shows, or just to Secret Wars and Beyond itself, as it is now in its own omnipotent feed. Secret Wars 2 and Beyond, a Pulp to Pixel Podcast production. You'll believe an omnipotent being can use the restroom. Warlord Worlds, a fan podcast devoted to the comics of writer and artist Mike Grell, including The Warlord, John Sable, Green Arrow, Star Slayer, and Shaman's Tears. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. 
please join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Special episodes feature interviews with Mike Grell himself. And special segments feature great guests discussing the Legion of Superheroes. Listen at Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit warlordworlds.com. Warlord Worlds is part of the Rad Adventures Network at radadventuresnetwork.com. Recognize Superboy B04. All right, and now the synopsis for issue 13 and issue 14, and this will finally make us current on the 2020 version of Young Justice. Issue 13 was in comic shops on February 5th, remember February of 2020, written by Brian Michael Bendis with a new writer brought into the book, David F. Walker, with Michael Avon Oming as artist, Mike Grell as artist, and John Timms as artist. When we last left Connor Kent Superboy, he was stranded in the multiverse once again, but by this time, he is on the world Skitaris, the home world of Warlord. Connor is now at a point where he realizes he is not going anywhere, almost literally and figuratively. Travis Morgan, also known as Warlord, tells Connor about him arriving on Skitaris and the changes that he had to adapt to in his own personal life to become the man who is standing in front of him right now, telling him that everything he's been going through doesn't mean he's lost. He's just found a new part of himself that wasn't there before. But before they can have any further discussions, they are attacked by lizard people, as Connor would so aptly name them. Back on Earth, Young Justice is now largely comprised of a very comprehensive team of the main Young Justice team with the newly added Wonder Twins and the duo known as Dial H for Heroes. They are waiting on the Drake to get his plan together and put it into motion to track down Star Labs and, more importantly, find Connor. Moments later, the Wonder Twins device that's been tracking Krypton energy is going off of the charge, while also the Dial H for Heroes red phone begins to go off as well. Wonder Girl states that this is all connected, plus with the stuff that's in Jenny's truck, this is not a coincidence. It looks like the source is pulling them towards New Mexico. Teen Lantern fires her ring and grabs Jenny's truck, and they begin to head out towards New Mexico Star Labs. Drake tells Bart they're going to need backup. Bart races off and says he'll catch up with them in a few minutes. Drake hopes everybody can arrive in New Mexico all at the same time. Back on Skataris, before Warlord and Connor can really get into more discussions about Connor's plight, the green man Alicia arrives. You can almost hear that classic Fleetwood Mac tune playing in the background. Can you hear it? He is holding a kryptonite blade. This does not bode well for our young hero. Back on Earth, the Young Justice team is almost to New Mexico when the Drake radios impulse asking, is she with them? Are they there? Bart arrives in front of the other half of the team. Aqualad, Arrowette, Sideways, and of course, spoiler, the real Young Justice? Next, everyone is here. But how? And now, the cover credits for issue 13. This arrived in comic shops March 11th, 2020, written by Brian Michael Bendis, and again, David F. Walker, illustrated by John Timms and Michael Avon Oming, 
The cover credits go to Gabe L. Tabe, and the letter is Wes Abach. 14 gives us the recap of everything that's led up to this issue, and plus we get a side quest of Impulse rounding up the new half of Young Justice, or the real Young Justice, as they would say, of Sideways, Spoiler, Aqualad, through various parts of the globe, convincing all of them to join Young Justice to bring Connor back. Bart's last task is getting Arrowet to join the team, and all he had to do is mention one word, Connor. Speaking of Connor, back on Skatarist, the Warlord is trying to battle the Green Man Alishi, again, the sweet Fleetwood Mac song, while Connor's trying to hold off the Lizard People. There is way too much kryptonite for Connor to be remotely effective, and at one point the Warlord gets overtaken and the Green Man Alishi's blade is inches away from Connor's throat. At that moment, Dr. Glory's face can be seen on a transmitter that the Green Man Alishi is holding, and she tells Connor that he's not really the Superman she's after, but she is happy that this one experiment is finally over. Back on Earth, the Young Justice team has finally arrived in New Mexico, just outside of Star Labs. The Wonder Twins, Dial H for Heroes, Drake, Amethyst, Jenny Hex, Wonder Girl, Teen Lantern, Naomi, and the other half of the real, air quotes, Young Justice, being Arrowette, Aqualad, Sideways, and Spoiler, all begin to advance towards Star Labs. When various portals begin to open up all over their heads, dropping all kinds of creatures from all over the multiverse on them. The newly formed team breaks off into little units to try and separate the herd, battling their way to Star Labs. It's at this moment Spoiler and Drake finally get a chance to fight side by side, and Spoiler makes a couple comments like, this wasn't the reunion she had hoped for, and oh, by the way, that new suit's gotta go. With his lightning-fast speed, Impulse is able to make his way through the herd of alien creatures into Star Labs to see what Dr. Glory is doing. He's able to see the exact location where at the multiverse Connor is and can relay that back to the team. Sideways then opens up a portal and he, Wonder Girl, and Bart race through the portal to Skataris. Once there, they fight off the green man Alishi and throw away his kryptonite sword that's inches away from Connor's throat and probably stop playing the Fleetwood Mac song. Anyway... Wonder Girl and Warlord battle off the Lizard People. Warlord tells Wonder Girl to take Connor and get him out of here back through the portal. And just as quickly as Superboy arrived on Skataris, the team scoop up Connor, and just like that, Young Justice is gone, leaving Warlord alone, the only human on Skataris. He hoped he was able to get through to the boy. Back on Earth, before Dr. Glory can realize that the Young Justice team has won against the alien invasion outside that she started, she turns around to see the team behind her. And before they can take her into custody, she tries to make a deal with them, saying, I can tell you what really happened to Young Justice. I can tell you why you don't remember each other. Up next, what really happened to Young Justice. Recognize Robin. Well, I think this is a good segue since we're talking about the next section. And if I was thinking well enough as a podcaster, I would have invited Darren and Ruth Sutherland onto the show to talk about our next set of books because they cover War World, Xenozoic, Xenophiles, and Trekker Talk. So this is right up their alley. And I think they went out and bought the variant cover because Mike Grell did the cover for issue 13 variant cover. So why don't we go to the next set of books to talk about for 13, the cover for this, we're looking at Connor 
And I can never pronounce the world that he's on. Darren and Ruth, I am so sorry. Skitaris. Skitaris. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'll have to go listen to their podcast again to make sure that, said that we're both saying that correctly. <laughs> the cover's okay, but it's pretty much just what you'd expect him in the Warlord helmet. But the cover I really want to talk about is the variant cover for 13. What do you think of this with uh, Mike Grell doing the cover for this and also supplying art for being on Connor being uh, with him? So I'm not a fan of uh, using multiple artists on a book. If there isn't a reason for it and I'm still let, let, let's talk about the cover first. His variant cover, Warlord looks awesome. Yes. That's about it. Everybody else has weird faces, weird poses. It's almost like he spent all of his time on Warlord. And then they're like, oh, uh, you've got to draw these other characters too. Connor's everything but his face looks fine. I, in fact, Connor and Cassie, their poses are probably the best realized mm-hmm. of uh, all the characters. Connor's face, it looks like he has a receding hairline and does not have a nose. Cassie, again, everything but the face looks fine. Her face just looks a little scrunched up. Yeah. Um, I mean, Amethyst doesn't look too bad. Yeah, Ginny Hex. Jenny Hex, like her hat looks a little off center, but I mean, it's just kind of a generic pose. Bart, I guess, doesn't look too bad. Again, his face is kind of weird, but a little too small. What in the world is going on with Tim? Tim, Teen Lantern, and Naomi do not look good at all. (laughs) No. And I'm not sure how old Mike Grell is. So, and again. Oh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he wrote. But I know he did work on Warlord back in like the 70s. And yeah. then like the Green Arrow Longbow Hunters, like right. that famous arc, that was him. That was like the mid to late 80s. So he's right. been around for a while. So it's one of those, I'm of two minds about it. You can look at it and go, oh, that's cool that he got a chance to do the cover. Not up to par with his glory days, but I don't want to use the term throwing dog of bone. That And I'm trying to sound disrespectful, but for Bendis to go, hey, I want to do a story with this character. Who better than Mike Grell to do the variant cover for this and to do some pages of the book? I think that is a, a good thing to do. I think I can all kind of compare this to Neil Adams now. Yeah. Looking at Neil Adams in the 70s and 80s, that that was just a whole different thing that it, it encapsulated. You look at Neil Adams now and go, there's there's something different. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think it's age and you're just doing the best you can with what you got. And that's commendo. I probably still couldn't draw like this, but I I don't know if it entirely works though either. Yeah. I do think his interiors are for the most part fine. Yeah. Honest. I mean, again, not to, you know, making, I mean, accusations a wrong word, but two of his pages look, I mean, you know, are more, oh God, more sequential in the storytelling, but then you have the double page splash with warlords surrounded by the, you know, you know, barbarian 
scantily clad ladies and then a couple of other, you know, some dinosaurs in the background and everything, which is cool. And then there's that other page later on with Warlord just kind of holding a sword aloft and, you know, some dinosaurs in the background. Those look like they could have been pinups that he drew decades ago they fished them out of the dc archives and were like hey let's just put some text on top of this yeah Um, that's a really good good page yeah and again they're really really good it's just you know they these could have been illustrations that he you know had lying around for years and was like hey well let's just incorporate these because you know it was part of a warlord project that never came about or it was a commission that you know somebody asked for and they never paid for or picked up or you know whatever i mean it looks like something they're very cool and very well illustrated but they're nondescript enough that it could have been something just repurposed from something else he had and again, they look great. It's just, you know, it's kind of a, a case of was there really a purpose for it other than kind of that nod to the history with the character? Probably not. I still think it's cool and it works well enough. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking at the artist for the front part. Michael Avon Oming. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I <laughs> I don't even want to. I'm not trying to bash on this book. I'm really not. Like like you said, it's it's one of those. If any one of these three would have been the consistent art through the book, I'd have been okay with it. I yes. almost feel it's kind of like Dark Knight's metal, not metal, but um, oh, forge uh, and forge, all that. Yeah, where they were flipping back and forth. I would have rather it been okay. One story is Jim Lee. One story is John Romita Jr. or wh- whatever that is. Yeah. But when we're going from page to page to page and the art is so jarring, it just it makes the whole book seem like a mess. So things that might have been, ah, oh, it's okay. It's not my favorite. It's you have somebody like John Timms who's just doing what he does, doing great solid work. And then you have other two that are polar opposites of that. Not saying great, like bad, but as far as style, that the characters are off model or their heads are really oblong. This was a rough read for me. I liked, I liked the story better than the last three issues. Yes, but the art was just all over the place. Yes, if it had been Tim's and Grell, their yes. styles are very different but at least they complement each other well enough correct it's a, I, have you picked up strange adventures you know the new tom king mitch garrods and doc shaner yes have you picked, it's kind of like that it's like garrods and shaner's styles are very different but the way that they incorporate both of their styles into how they're telling the story works it works so well because shaner's doing kind of the idealized kind of the flashback scenes to when strange was on uh ran and everything and then garrett's is doing more of the real world kind of kind of stuff and it, and it works even when you have pages that have two panels of garrett's and two panels of shaner you know the point and purpose of the the two different styles and why they're doing that the same thing could have been here 
as well, because clearly the Oming pages are supposed to be on Skrataris. The Grell pages are supposed to be kind of a flashback to, you know, Mike Grell's work on Warlord from <laughs> years and years ago. And then Tim's is supposed to be just on, on Earth. And the thing I'll say about Oming's is it does not fit this at all. No. However, I do like his style. And if we were to get kind of a – do you remember that Adventures in the DC Universe book from mm-hmm. like the late 90s? Yep. That was not an animated series continuity but still kind of in that style. If Oming did a book like that with these characters, I would be all over it. Same uh, here. Because I like it. It's just, yeah, this very – exaggerated very distinct style like he has against grell's very realistic and tim's is a little i mean it's more exaggerated but he still has some more grell-esque anatomy with his characters and his figures and everything whereas oming's you know superboy has you know a very small torso but a very large broad chest and warlord looks like he's about three feet taller than him Mm -hmm. which i mean again could work in a specific setting but against the other two styles it's just it just doesn't work i kind of hate that because again i like his style he did a dick tracy book last year that was great it fit dick tracy very well but like you said it's not working here it's it's jarring and it's almost again not to give intent for something that i don't know and not to not as a slight to anything like that but it's almost like bendis phoned up his buddy cuz i think they did powers together they're the yeah. they they created powers together and he was like hey do you want to draw some pages for young justice and oming was like yeah sure so that's that's how we got it I and let's get a samurai jack out of out of his art a little bit. Yeah. I'm I try to shy away from it because a lot of pencilers have said that, you know, calling something cartoony even though it's not supposed to be a a deriding term or it's not supposed to be necessarily a criticism. No, can, I don't mean that. Can, well, 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 no, I mean it can feel that way, but yes, this looks like something that, you know, you would see in a cartoon. And I love that kind of style. It's just it's not fitting the the book that we have right now. I, I, mean, I wasn't meaning to call you out on that. I was meaning no, to say, no, no. I'm going to use a term that I try not to use, <laughs> but I'm using it for this reason. So <laughs> so while he's trying to get off being stuck in a multiverse again, again <laughs> we, do, we are introduced to Young Justice Part 2 or the real Young Justice. We do get the, the addition of spoiler Aqualad. Arrowette, which made me really happy to see. Mm-hmm. And Sideways was, I did not read the book, uh, his book, but I did read it, as backwards as this sounds, in the Teen Titans uh, <laughs> Walmart 100-page giant. I'm like, well, it's in the book. So begrudgingly is the wrong word. It's more of like, well, it's here. I'll just read it. you know. So I actually kind of started to like the character i thought and i was forever thinking he looks like spider-man like (laughs) you couldn't come up with a different suit but he was kind of growing on me as a character and i liked aqualad the Mm -hmm. young justice cartoon looking version of aqualad and uh, jackson hyde 
with his yellow hair. I, I like that look and seeing mm-hmm. yeah. Stephanie here. So back to what I said earlier was like, finally, we'll get to see Tim and Steph again and get to have uh, some conversation. So getting to see Bart dance around all of this, I thought was was pretty cool. Finally getting the group here, which doesn't happen in this issue. It happens in the next issue. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, calling them the real young justice was a little silly. Yeah. I, but I mean, I was glad to see all of these characters t- uh, regardless. Cause uh, I mean, I like Stephanie. I like Jackson Arrowette. You know, that's, that's another great call. I mean, she's pretty much the last one left of the, you know, 98 crew who hadn't shown up other than secret, but I doubt we'll ever see secret in a comic ever again, yeah. which is kind of sad. I, and then just with sideways, I, I think I read like four or five issues of the book. I liked the character. The book just didn't do a lot for me. I do want to go back and finish it up because apparently it gets super weird toward the end with um, like the seven soldiers of victory appear and try mm. to recruit sideways. And I think Grant Morrison actually co-writes it with Dan DiDio in like the final stretch of the really? book. <laughs> Once that hits DC Universe, because I think the book ended like mid last year, maybe I a little bit so. later last year. So once all those issues hit DC Universe, I might go back and reread all of them. I mean, he looks a little too much like Spider-Man, but his power set's really cool. And I like the character too. So that he was kind of a nice... Uh, new character to throw in here because it's like he's not doing anything else and the ability to transport people across you know long distances is a very handy skill to have for a member of a superhero team he could be used to great effect here so anyway go on continue on a little farther for the last book as far as the young justice books that we're going to cover and that have been released is 14 having arrowhead aqualad spoiler and sideways on the front cover I like this cover, uh, the A cover, quite a bit. I, I say that a lot. The composition's good. It's just the, everybody in their hero pose. Arrowhead has more of an updated, you know, rebirth-ish, you know, since it's not a re- rebirth anymore, but you know what I mean. Her, right, up, right. her updated costume, and uh, it's nothing overly fantastical about the the cover or amazing, but I think it's a very solid color, and it shows all of them very very prominently and yeah it's it's a cool cover the conceit of the real young justice is here and having them on there i mean it's it's fun it tells the story that it's wanting to tell i don't remember when steph showed back up in uh, detective comics as part of tynan's run did she have like that purple kind of uh padding on the side of her suit yes okay which i may have made the comment then and just completely forgot about it. But that's a, that's a nice callback to her uh, Batgirl costume. Yes. Uh, I like that they kind of carry that over. But yeah, it's a good cover. It's, uh, again, one of those ones where everybody's doing something that at least gives you an indication of you know who they are and what they can do. And um, and again, it, it sells the uh, the conceit of this being the real Young Justice, as silly as that is, you know, quite well. I like it. Now, the variant cover for 14 by, I'm going to butcher this name, David Lafanite. If I'm saying that right, I probably butchered it. I was kind of, I mean, we have the core principal team on here. I would have liked to seen his take on the team that's on a 14 of Arrowette. 
spoiler Aqualad and Sideways. Now, I'm sure that he was sent commissioned to, hey, we do a cover for Young Justice, here are the core characters, and then they went, ah, uh, this is the cover for 14. Yeah. So I'm, I imagine that's probably how it went, not trying to be arbitrary or, or anything like that. But Sure. No, no, no. I get it. I mean, it's almost like they asked him for something, didn't tell him, give him any details. Again, this may have been one of those, like I made the comments about, you know, Grell's pages from the previous issue. This may have been a variant cover that had been lying around for, you know, a couple of months. And then they were going through archives or submissions or what have you and picked this out just because it needed a variant cover and nothing else fit. So they just picked it. Yep. So this is the issue I was talking about where Bart's going around grabbing everybody out of all the books that we've talked about so far, unless I've already said this, I enjoyed this one probably the most. Yes. Out of all of them. I I completely agree. (laughs) I feel like this is where the pendulum, I think finally like moved forward and we actually did something again trying to get somebody from another world or another multiverse again, but having the whole entire team here plus dial H for hero and then the wonder twins, like there was a lot going on in this book. So, I mean, hats off to Walker and Tim's for doing this and pulling it off. I think very well for the fight that was going on through this whole entire thing of them trying to get to Star Labs and finding out what have you done with Connor Kent. And I feel like this is one of those times where Tim was like, I really don't trust this lady. Where I'm like, okay, that sounds like there were nuggets of Tim in there where I was like, okay, Bendis, you've you've got Tim in there somewhere. I'd like to I'd like to hear a little bit more of this of this character. Were there any standouts of this issue that you really liked? To kind of piggyback on both of our comments from the previous issue and reinforce points that I either tried to make or didn't quite make, but I'm going to try to make now look at the first two pages of Oming's work here with sideways and impulse going around and, you know, recruiting various characters. Like first it's uh, a impulse coming up to get sideways and then going and recruiting spoiler. This looks fantastic. It's, I love these two pages. It's still that very exaggerated Oming style, which again, I I like, it's just, I didn't think it fit the warlord stuff from the previous issue, Mm -hmm. But here you've got sideways kicking the trickster, I think is who that is, in the face. I love the one squinted eye and one really wide buggy eye of spoiler. (laughs) I mean, really exaggerated, but really fun character work with this different style that I would love to see. Again, it clashes with Tim's style throughout the rest of the issue. And then once we get back to Skrataris, I don't think it works remarkably well, just given the environment of what he's trying to illustrate there. But I love these two pages just from a storytelling standpoint and the way his style works with those character designs. It's it's great. And I think what also really helps his art that it is separated by a page turn. So you don't have his art on the left-hand page and John Tim's art on the right-hand page. So you get the page turn, and then you're back to Tim's doing Aquaman or Aqualad yeah. and Arrowette, which 
is more complimentary. You can just focus on those two pages. And I was like, I would read. I, I love the way Stephanie is drawn in this, where she's fighting in Bloodhaven, taking out a whole room of bad guys all by herself. And I was like, I would read a whole Stephanie Brown spoiler book with this art. It's just the way her hood looks over-exaggerated, like you said, the eyes. And then you get the page turn, and you're like, oh, it's it's John Timms. It doesn't... You know, it was in my mind two seconds ago, and it's not like I turned the page and all of a sudden I forgot the art. But just reading it, your eye isn't being drawn back to the other page of going, man, that art looks, it's conflicting. It's making me not like it when I actually really do. Yeah, and uh, Stephanie makes a comment that makes me think that uh, they're going to pretend like Batman Eternal never happened, or at least one aspect of it. Yeah, she says, just working some stuff out with my dad. And it's like, well, last we saw Clue Master, he was... um, (laughs) dead so for some reason i think there may have been some hint of that maybe in another issue of young justice or in uh tynan's run on detective that clue master was still alive but not in a oh guess what your dad's still alive but more of a just matter of fact he's alive and we're gonna pretend like he never actually died kind of yeah i i think that was in tynan's detective run now that you make mention of that which is fine but uh, yeah, and then going into the main complaint I have about the scene with, with Sissy Arrowette is I wish there had been another beat. She's saying, you know, I can't, I'm retired, I'm working now. And Bart says, it's Connor. I wish we could have seen her actual reaction mm-hmm. before she, you know, almost of like shock, like, oh my gosh, it's Connor. And then have her smile and say, we'll need to pick up my gear. Yeah. You know, ju- just, to, just to have, again, a moment to let these characters breathe and let the, let the moment just play out the way that it needs to. But either way, it's still fun seeing her again and seeing her and Bart interact together. That's great. In a moment, I'd like to flip to that I think all of us Tim Drake fans, once Tim and Stephanie finally get together, and I love the, what's the DC, please number your pages, <laughs> but all of the slant panels where you have Naomi, Wonder Twins, Aqualad, Arrowette, Spoiler, Drake, and Amethyst in Teen Lantern fighting, you get Spoiler being back-to-back with Tim. And she says, the reunion in my head went quite different, Mr. Drake. He says, don't make me blush in front of the monsters. And she says, that outfit is a no, by the way. Yeah. So is that Bendis looking at all of these tweets and people sending him messages, yours truly, that were (laughs) like, I don't like this costume. What's going on here? Because I've had people send me messages. I think Bendis is aware that we don't like this costume. I don't think this is going to be Tim's permanent costume. I really want to believe that, but I think it's here to stay. I would Uh, hope. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I have a feeling that it's just him winking at it. Like, Oh, they think it's terrible too, but they're just going to have to get used to it. Uh, you know, kind of having fun with it and everything, which is like, okay, acknowledging it, you know, he's having his cake and eating it too. It's like, you can't, you know, make fun of it, but then still lean into it and say, nope, this is the way things are going to be now. Saying that, there's a moment in the action comics issues that we're going to cover that also 
mm-hmm. made me have a similar thought, but we can get to that when we get there. But I do think that this is just kind of a wink, wink, nod, like, yeah, I know you guys don't like it and neither do the other characters and, you know, we're going to have fun <laughs> with it, but it's still a change that's going to stick around for a while, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, that outfit is a no BT dubs. right another panel i like is bart's panel in star labs i really like the use of bart in this where bart is doing what he does best in his recon tim points says go do this and bart's off and running and the swirling panel yeah this makes me think of uh court of the owls issue five i think is where it was where you're right yeah yeah, 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 yeah this this is my favorite uh, section of the book. Very little words, but I was constantly spinning around going, what is he seeing? Can I read anything yeah. in here? You have little corners of the multiverse map in there. I just dug this this page it, immensely. It is a brilliantly laid out piece. I mean, it's it's one of those it's one of those pages that would separate kind of a work for hire artist from someone who has their own style. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to, and there's no, nothing against work for hire artists. Just, you know, there, there's some guys that you come in, you know, to pencil a couple of issues because you need something done. You need it done efficiently. You need it done quickly and they come in and do it, but their style might be similar to a lot of other guys. But then you have someone who will add some visual flair to their storytelling that shows that they have kind of established themselves as themselves. And I mean, Tim's for a while, I have seen his name pop up as kind of that kind of guy that would come in, would do really good work, like fill in work on books. And, and I mean, not to say that it's not imaginative or inventive or strong or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's uh, not as distinct as, you know, you look at uh, something from Jim Lee, Doc Shaner, Todd McFarlane, Babs Tarr, or Amanda Connor, someone who mm-hmm. has their own unique style. But I feel like since he's been the main artist on, he was on Harley Quinn for a while and now Young Justice, right. he's been able to refine his chops and he's been able to get more creative the more he gets to work with a single creative team. So that way he gets more familiar with the writing that's going to come his way and the inkers and colorists that he's working with. And he may ink his own stuff. I'm not sure, but I mean, he gets more comfortable with being able to say, Hey, I have this crazy idea. Let me do this. And then, you know, branches out and grows. So I really like seeing, you know, stuff like this because that is a brilliantly laid out page in one of the best sequences of the series this thus far. Oh, yeah, definitely. I am glad that we don't spend another issue of Connor fumbling around. The team of Wonder Girl, Sideways, and Bart are able to get back to Skataris, get Connor um, and from... I can't remember who the guy is that has the kryptonite sword, which Connor was like, uh, that's kryptonite. I thought that was... A cool beat there. And something that we've kind of glazed over is Warlord kind of preaching, I guess is the wrong word, or giving like fatherly advice to Connor about knowing who he is, knowing, I I like the, says, I I hope I told him about, you know, never get lost as long as he's with people that love him. Yeah. He he was trying to enforce that 
impress that upon Connor. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. like that the team was able to get him, and it's like, all right, good. Hopefully we're done traveling through the multiverse. But like we said at the beginning of this, that it ends with what really happened to Young Justice. So I hope it's not another, like, 12-issue arc that's going to go through, and we're going to slowly weed out the time but again, I don't want it done in one issue, and it's cram-packed when you've got all these characters trying to figure out what really happened to all of them and how can they all coexist in in one little universe together again. Yeah. Two things about the Warlord sequence. One that I really liked and one that is maybe my least favorite thing that Bendis does in his writing. The, the thing that uh, I'll start with the negative first, uh, when the, um, there's that little pop-up hologram thing of the star labs, you know, scientist or whomever it is. And she says, Connor Kent. Hi. He does that all the time with characters saying something and then saying hi or Hey, or something like that. it It just almost feels like he's trying to make it, seem conversational and laid back and everything but it doesn't it doesn't work at all instead it just comes off as kind of grating and connor actually says something similar in action number 1021 which we'll cover you know later which it drives me nuts there but it's just one of those ticks that's like there's no point in this and the first time it was maybe kind of cute you know as a you know, this is how some people really talk kind of thing, but several people have said that, like that very <laughs> yes. thing in everything I've read of Bendis since he came to DC. And it just, just drives me nuts. I did love the line though, of when uh, Cassie and Bart and sideways take Connor back to earth and, you know, Warlord just standing there and he's like, okay, guess I'm no longer part of that story. You know, that was just, that was just a funny little meta <laughs> yeah. meta line right there. But I did like, I did like that. Like, okay, your time's done here and yeah. scene. Yeah. Like you said earlier, and like, I, I agreed uh, with you. I like this of the, you know, five issues that we've done in this dump. This is far and away the most entertaining. It still has some issues that obviously got on my nerves, but just from it has the forward momentum that the rest of the book has had where it almost feels like it's just moving forward and flying by, but at least it's fun and exciting. We're still able to see, you know, sideways kick trickster in the face and we're still able to see the team fight alongside each other and use teamwork to take on these different creatures that they have to fight that have been let loose. And we've, we're still able to see, you know, some of their chemistry and interaction there together. So it's much better paced than the previous four issues were. And in fact, a lot of the other issues of this book. And yes, I am glad that the uh, sojourn to uh, Scrataris only took two issues lopping off the end of issue 12 when Connor was transported there. It it was only two full issues of him being trapped there and then the team getting him back again. Yeah, I I really hope that whatever this real story of what happened with Young Justice doesn't get stretched out too long that we lose interest, but also doesn't get dumped on us so... uh, like so much at one point that we just almost don't care because we can't process anything 
almost like it's just dumped on us too quick that we can't process what's actually going on. And, you know, just saying that here's what happened and now you know and now we're going to move on to the next thing. So I I really hope that's not – again, I hope it has the good pace that this issue had and tells the story that it needs to tell in the time it needs to tell it and doesn't overstay or understay its welcome. I agree totally. All right, one more quick little edit into the show. This is where I would put the synopsis for the two Action Comics issues that we're talking about. And I was in the middle of writing the synopsis when the light went on my head that's like, hey, Rob, you don't have to write as much. No, I'm just kidding. More importantly, we're not really covering the Superman book. This was just a vehicle for us to talk about Young Justice in another book. And I did have that you know, podcaster switch go off. It was like, Bo, but you should, probably should include the synopsis in case there's people that aren't you know, actually reading Action Comics so they can follow along with what you're talking about and get the gist of the story. It's not like we're going to come back to this in another week or two so we're going to continue on with this adventure of young justice with superman that's really not the exercise here was more of hey we've got young justice to talk about in another issue and they're not really the big narrative in here so i don't know if this classifies an exercise in futility on jay and i's part but this also kind of wraps up our Bendis dump where we're dumping all of this Young Justice Bendis books that have come out since the last issue we had done back in December up through quarantine and go, okay, now we're all caught up with the Avengers of Young Justice at least for right now now that comics are starting to come back out. So this is just going to be a discussion on the action comics issues that Young Justice appear in, but it's more of a discussion about what Brian Michael Bendis is doing with Young Justice in action comics and kind of Bendis as a whole. So let's just get into that right now and we will wrap this episode up. All right, so... We'll move on to our next two books that will actually get us all caught back up. Yay! And then now we're waiting back on comics. So this was one when I think you and I both had, I think, if I remember our text text conversation enough, seeing that now I'm behind on action and Superman, so I am like very far behind. Like I don't even know much about what's going on with Leviathan. So this was a little bit of extra homework trying to figure out all the ins and outs. But seeing that Young Justice was going to play a part in this, I was like, oh, I guess that this is going to go in tandem with the Young Justice book. Kind of, sort of, but not really. It's one of those like, oh, this is all happening in the same universe. And when the team was going to go to the Hall of Justice, it's like, well, when does this all fit into place? And I had to check that continuity hat at the door yeah. and just tell myself it's it's Young Justice. You could kind of say this sort of happened, but it is in the continuity of the action comics. But it's so weird that Bendis is writing this that he didn't line all these pieces up because Young Justice makes it seem like Tim has not been able to get in contact with Batman. He something I did want to point out that Tim was trying to get a hold of Alfred, and it's odd that Tim can't get a hold of Alfred. Which 
you go, oh, hey, people remember? Alfred's dead. <laughs> Tim doesn't know that yet. Right. So that, going back to you and Justice for a moment, talking about their personal lives and character building with them, I'd like to see Tim revisit that rather than the Alfred RIP. Like, oh, Tim already addressed it. But anyway... So honestly, I don't know if that's what you're about to ask, but um, uh, speaking to the Leviathan stuff, I've read I'm all caught up on action and Superman and read event Leviathan. And even I have no idea what's going on with Leviathan. (laughs) I was in one sentence to go, oh, good. Well, you can lead this one. So we're both on the same plane. Yes. So I I put the books away and because I was had a a page marked that I was like, oh, I want to reference this since we're talking about John Romita Jr. So. I did buy the Frank Miller, John Romita Jr. Superman book, the the bigger size black label book. Uh huh. How is this the same artist? I don't know because I mean there was some wonkiness in Superman Year One, but I mean it looked good. It was some of the mm-hmm. better Romita work I've ever seen, and I don't want to. I mean, his. I'm, I've mentioned it before and mentioned it on one of the last two episodes. Is that I think his style fits Marvel characters much better than it fits DC characters. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have uh, just a fun little story. I actually got like a Marvel Visionaries book of just his work a lot of it was like really early stuff he did on spider-man and there was like a two-part uh, spider-man story where spider-man fights the juggernauts and then mm. like the famous iron man story the demon in a bottle where oh, yeah. that one and then a lot of his stuff on daredevil and it's great and i took it to comic con last year uh, to have him sign it and Ramita signed it, and then he drew me a picture of Iron Man on the inside Ooh, cover, cool. too. I mean, it was just Iron Man's, like, head, like his helmet. But yeah. still, I mean, he didn't ask. I didn't ask him. He just signed his name and then started, you know, doodling away. And it was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, if he had asked, I, may, I would have asked for a different character. But it's like, if John Ramita Jr. wants to draw me Iron Man... I'm going to let John Romita Jr. draw me Iron John, Man. Right. It's, oh man, these two issues. In fact, this whole story arc with, you know, Leviathan attacking Metropolis, it's it's rough. I mean, I don't know if a lot of it is Klaus Janssen's inks didn't do him any favors necessarily. See, that's what I was going to ask too. Like, is it Romita or is it Janssen's inks? Because the inks in some of these are... They're really heavy, heavy inked. And then others, I, I, I don't know. The opening page with them at the Hall of Justice and getting into that middle panel of Drake's Superboy and Impulse, I I was just really leaning on story. Cause yeah, it, it, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't look finished. I mean, it looks... No, it looks like this was a, a layout page that somebody went, oh crap, we're going to press right now. We've got to get this up to up to standard, and I think that I think where the gaps are in this, the colorist is actually doing a lot of the heavy lifting in this. Yeah, that first uh, double page spread that's eight and a half minutes ago. That's really dynamic and interesting, but a lot of that is Brad Anderson's colors adding to a lot of like those energy auras that are 
emitting from Leviathan and Sinestro and uh, enveloping Superman. So yeah, I mean, a lot of it is the colors, especially here, making things more clear than they are on some of the other pages. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned this a little while ago when, you know, Superman lands and it's a weird double page spread that's tilted on its side. So you got to have the book vertically to read it, but where they're trying to introduce themselves to Superman that Tim refers to himself as Robin. (laughs) That is exactly the moment that I was going to (laughs) mention. And he does it twice in this. Like in the story, you could almost write it off as, well, he's, you know, rather than say, hey, I'm Drake. You also know me as Robin. He's just, you know, because in the moment they're, right. um, you know, needing to catch up uh, really quickly and figure out, you know, how they're going to approach Leviathan and the Legion of Doom and everything. You know, Tim just says, I'm Robin because that's easier. But like with the Stephanie saying that the costume is a no, that's one of those kind of wink, wink lines that it's, I mean, if it was one or the other, I would want to just dismiss it as, you know, Ben just playing coy and trying to, again, have his cake and eat it too. But the fact that, like you said, he does that twice, he calls himself Robin twice here. And both of those events happened uh, in the Young Justice book and here in Action Comics with Tim introducing himself not as Drake, but as Robin. I don't know if Bendis is going to backpedal or if it's it's again just to try to placate fans while he's still forging his own path ahead. Yeah, and that's also one of those too like you're going through all of this effort to redesign a character, rename a character and you're not going to say just call him as Drake and Superman to say Timothy is that you or or yeah. something like that, but the Superman says you know, basically, they're going for battle. Says, I know Robin, Cassie, and Naomi are up for it, but are the rest of you up for battle? And, you know, I do like Naomi's like battle, you know, like I've only, I can only do this for so long, you know. Right. So I did like that. But the, the bigger, the bigger pull for me with this story was Connor and Superman finally getting a chance to spend some time together. And it's even mentioned in here that, you know, Supergirl is off-world, and the Superboy has been dealt with. The, you know, the son of Superman is is off. So they really think, okay, Superman is—he's got nobody else to back him up, and Connor's the you know ace up the sleeve. So I was really waiting for these two to get together, and how much of their pre-New Fifty Two history is is still intact and we find out that it's not that you know superman has to scan him and see like oh you are real and i think at the end of the book the uh 1021 that superboy says you know I, i'm a mix of you a mix of lex luthor so did you have any expectations going into this of like what you were hoping to get out of this because like there was something I wanted, but because, like, oh, hey, there's a battle, we don't have time to chat, I think it was subverted a little bit. No, I actually, the biggest strength of these two issues is, to me at least, was the uh, interactions between Connor and Clark. 
even though Superman's like, I don't know who you are, but you know, I can tell that you're here to help. So we'll talk later. But for now, you know, if you can help, let's go help people. And I mean, at the end of 1021, it has one of those moments that drives me crazy and doesn't quite ruin the moment. But I mean, it's, um, I do love that uh, when Connor says, Hey, uh, let's go clean up, clean up always helps. And Superman says, clean up always helps. Okay. That does sound like a Kent. Um, (laughs) And then Connor says, hi, I'm Connor Kent. Help. That was a little, just more of that, you know, bendicism of... Uh, Hi. Yeah, just throwing that in there. But in that moment, it worked a lot better than some of the other times. It was still a little too cutesy and twee for me. But I liked the overall sentiment of it. And to your point, I don't, I don't know with Connor how much of it is him remembering the pre-New 52 versus superman not remembering it because you know they do mention about you know he's a kent and everything and you know connor you know stayed with ma and pa for the longest time and they helped kind of refine him so i don't i really don't know if it's you know connor has more knowledge versus clark or if they're both kind of like i don't know where you came from but you know we can find out together either way i hope we get to see more of the two of them and Again, I really, really liked their their scenes together in uh, in these two issues, as fleeting as they were. Yeah, and it's a little, I think it's a little misleading in ten twenty one with the cover, where it says this looks like a job for Young Justice. <laughs> I think that should have been the cover to ten twenty because Young Justice is more of a focal point in ten twenty than they are in uh, twenty one. It yeah. is nice to see the Justice League, and I think this is where I was like, oh, the Justice League is coming. Well, we're probably not going to get Batman, and then Batman shows up in his big mech suit, so I was really hoping for dialogue between Bruce and Tim, even if it was something like, hey, I have to tell you something about Alfred, or yeah. it's it's good to see you back, or or something along that. So I don't think they have any dialogue together They're really close in a couple scenes side by side yeah I'm, I'm flipping through to see if there is and there's a green lantern next to teen lantern in a couple spots i'm like i get that there is a a bigger story that bendis is telling but this is the first time that the young justice characters are getting a chance to work with the justice league since they've been hopping through the multiverse since christmas you know like yeah just reading this book after coming out of young justice, I was like, finally, we're going to get some interaction. Like, Hey, how did you get that ring? Tim, what's up with the new duds? You know, something Uh, on, on that, that same page where Clark and Connor have the conversation about him being help and everything. Tim's standing next to Bruce and Tim says, I'll go check on local law enforcement. And Bruce says, see where they need backup. But I mean, they're talking not even necessarily over each other, but they're not, even interacting they're just reacting to the moment and everything so yeah it is disappointing you know this is supposed to be tim's return from you know the multiverse and haven't really seen much of him anywhere except some brief appearances in batman and even then who knows how much of that really matters other than alfred dying right um 
and again, that's that's one of the things that we were talking about with the the earlier Young Justice issues. Is it's frustrating that Young Justice or guest appearances like they have here are the only places that we can get Bart and Tim and Connor and Cassie and everybody. They don't have their own books, and they're not popping up in other people's books to interact with uh, with other characters. So it's it's frustrating that, you know, the limited exposure that we have to them now really almost seems isolated from anything else. And even now, when they actually do interact with other people who are part of their comic book family, so to speak, there there's still not an awful lot of depth or substance to to anything that these characters are doing. Yeah. I was just looking at a couple panels here, and it took me so long to figure out that that was Lex Luthor that they were that they were punching and knocking over when they're both on the ground. And Superman says, "Count of three, he says I don't need it." Super speed, and then they bam, they go flying right into Sinestro right. Uh, and Lex. I thought that was a that's a uh, cool. I don't know if you pay attention to it, but that is Apex Lex, who was combined with Martian Manhunter in the Justice League book and all it's it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a little bit behind in that and I I actually had to do some like googling on it like oh that's right. Okay. Like with the other issue though, like we said, we're like 15 minutes into talking about this and we're pretty much done. So I'm trying to think of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's not an awful lot that's going on here. But yeah, the a lot of the heavy lifting is from, who is it? Brad Anderson, is that the colorist? Yeah. Like there's some really interesting shots. Like I love that spread in Schuster Park where it has like a Leviathan stronghold just hovering there. That looks, you know, cool. But then there's like those really cool purples, like when uh, Superboy tackles Lex, just Mm. to kind of give everything a little bit more like energy and life to it, as opposed to kind of a flat coloring that, again, just isn't the coloring, the, the pencils and the inks just don't have a lot of depth to them. It's just kind of kind of there and just kind of flat and blocky. So little little flashes there, or uh, like this close up of Leviathan's eyes, where it's got that kind of glowy blue effect. And then there's another part later on where Leviathan does something and it like washes everything over in blue. Looks really really cool and gives things you know an interesting visual appeal, but. But I mean, by and large, this is, like you said, it is almost feels like a completely different Ramita than was on Superman Year One, which yeah. even then there was some, you know, strange wonkiness, but at least his figure work and his storytelling was great. I wonder if it was just a time crunch thing and Bendis wanted- This is wanted- still a, a bi-monthly book, right? Or, uh, a, yeah. No, or- no. Action and Superman. I think one of- what I've heard is one of uh, a couple of uh, Bendis's requests when he came on Superman was he wants to do Superman and action comics. He wants both of them to go to monthly, monthly. and he wants the red trunks to come back. So I have him to thank for that. Others have him to curse for that because <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like him. But uh, Okay, then I was trying to give Ramita a pass and going, okay, he's doing two books. That's r- really commendable in a month. Like looking at the, I keep on saying the red cloud. Is it the red? Yeah, it's yeah, red the red cloud. cloud. Uh, again, DC number your pages, but I literally <laughs> think it's the middle of the book on ten twenty one 
where Superman is fighting the Red Cloud, there's a lot of line work and there's a lot of cross-hatching and other lines, but it just... It's un. It looks unfinished. Are you, are you talking it's, about like when Red Cloud like throws Superman? Yeah, he's throwing he, Superman. Yeah, and it, it flies into Luthor, and then like Brainiac and Sinestro are in the background. Yeah, those. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, with Year One, Superman Year One, I'm sure he could have taken his time. I don't know how fast Ramita works anymore. So it may have just been, you know, the time crunch of a a monthly book. You know, just his process has always been slower or that he's slowed down and that's affected it. I mean, it might not even necessarily be Ramita. I mean, it might be, I mean, Jansen's a great inker, but he may have had to rush or it may have just been that Anderson's colors didn't really mesh well with their styles either. And a different colorist could have done it. But when I think of Ramita, I don't like it's issues like these that I can point to and say, this is why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so this was an exercise in... I've actually... It's so funny. I had dropped Superman and Action Comics. I was kind of getting to the point where I wanted to thin down the herd a little bit. I wasn't as jazzed as I was coming off, you know, Tomasi and Gleason. Mm-hmm. So I went for a little bit and I told myself, once we get to the reveal of, you know, who Superman really is, I was like, all right, I... That was one thing I was kind of against. We've kind of belabored that before. That was my dropping off point. Like, all right, I'm done here. That's a, a spot. I'll, I've enjoyed it up to that point, and I'm done. So I dropped the books, and then I found out that Young Justice was coming in. So I called my comic guy. I said, hey, I want to get back on action. He said, what for? I said, <laughs> because, because I literally just took you off the book. I said, well, Young Justice is on it. He's like... That's right. You're the Drake guy. I said, yes, I am. So I went on 20 and 21, and I am back off the book again. So I wanted to cover these two books just to keep up with the Young Justice appearance and see how Bendis was handling Young Justice in another book, as we were saying, like, this is the only book that we're going to get to see these characters in. And hey, you've covered, like, showcase issues over on the Drake, so <laughs> it's <yeah>. on brand. <laughs> yeah, th- this is nothing new, so <laughs> I'm willing to take sidesteps here or there to see how things are handled. And I almost feel like Bendis is writing Young Justice a little bit differently because it's in the Superman book and because we have this the whole Leviathan thing going on they they're still they still feel like the 2020 Young Justice but there's enough different maybe just because this isn't their book and so their dialogue isn't as front and center and I wouldn't expect it to be at Superman's book and it's nice to see Connor have a, another vehicle to be in but uh this is one of those little paths that we're that we decided to take to see. Hey, let's see what the team is doing in another book, and you know, here we are. So after having covered all of this, Jay, depending on if this is one show, if this is two shows, or three shows, <laughs> now that we're caught back up, what has your thought been as far as where Young Justice is? Is it more of the same, or are we finally? on the path where we probably should have been six issues ago. Um, the latter. <laughs> <More> the latter. <laughs> there was definite uptick in 
equality and enjoyment in uh, issue 14 of Young Justice itself. It was fun seeing them pop up in action comics. It's funny, with those two books, when Bendis came on, I actually started loving action comics. Well, I mean, I, I was already loving action comics. But what I mean is, to start out, I was loving his work on action comics and only kind of liking his work on Superman. Hmm. After the whole Leviathan stuff dropped and the event Leviathan and everything, it's flip-flopped. I'm really liking the stuff he's doing on Superman, even though I don't like the fact that he had you know Clark reveal his identity. And I don't even necessarily agree with the reasoning for it. The way he's been writing the story is actually really good. It's funny because it's kind of the opposite of with the nonstop forward movement of Young Justice. He's letting things take time. He's letting Clark interact with other people who had trusted him for years as two different people, finding out that he's one person and then seeing how they would react. And, you know, some people are still, you know, completely on his side. Others are a little more apprehensive. Like, you know, this is a big thing a big deal. I don't know how to respond to this, but I mean, it's still written very well. Whereas action comics is just pretty much backdoor pilot for Leviathan <laughs> stories. And I really do not care about this Leviathan stuff at all. No. And I think that's where I had just started scratching the surface of Leviathan. And, you know, I've said it before, listening to Michael Bailey, his, it all comes back to Superman. Don't quote me on the episode number, but I think it's the episode title is Catharsis. Mm-hmm. He lays out where he has come from Superman and where he has ended his current run with Superman. Like Michael Bailey is one of those for me is the grand poobah of when I really started listening to comic book podcasting from not like once you get past your Kevin Smith and things like that, I found Hey Kids Comics Views from a Long Box and the Fire and Water podcast and Pop Culture Affidavit. Those were the ones that I really started listening to. Like, hey, I I want to try and try and do this too. And Michael Bailey's been doing this for a long time. So hearing him say that this, and I'm paraphrasing this, but I got the feeling of it broke his heart to have Superman reveal his secret identity. Not that I was like, well, if he's quitting, I'm quitting too. <laughs> but I've never been a big Superman reader. I didn't start reading Superman. I picked up new 52 issues and I have a smattering of other Superman issues in my comic books, but I didn't become a monthly or bi-weekly Superman reader until rebirth. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is great. I, I wonder how many years of Superman I was in, you know, not reading other than like, you know, the death of Superman and the reign of Superman and all that stuff. So when that, ended and then Bendis took over. I'm like, all right, well, this is different. So, all right. Then as that started going on, I was just like, I think my line in the sand was kind of like where Bailey's was. So it's cool to hear you say that you're enjoying it, but I kind of looked at it like, well, I was never really like, I don't have Superman stuff all over my right. wall. It's just, it's just not my thing. So I was like, I prefer to have Trunks, no trunks, I'm cool with either. <laughs> but to me, Superman needs to have that identity, and that's just where I fell on it. And that's where, to bring this full circle, that's where I feel like these characters need to have identity, need to have those breathing moments, need to have that moment where 
They get to fall asleep on the couch. They get to be these heroes that aren't constantly flying across the universe. So I'm glad with 14 that things feel like we're finally going to get to some just street level, you know, adventures again, I hope. So yeah, me too. (laughs) That's my long winded answer. So depending on how this recording session goes and the episodes we get out of it, the next thing that Jay and I will be prepping for is to blow the dust off of, I think we attempted to do a secret origins recording at one point yeah, from the uh, 1990 80 page giant or whatever it 80 was. page giant yeah so i want to revisit that because as far as you know chronologically and that that's where we are but to get back to some 1998 young justice and i think reading this will make us really appreciate uh 1998 all over again yeah absolutely and uh glad to be back rob glad to talk to you again and hopefully we don't take another three months to do this <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Jay and I are going to try to bone up for maybe the next couple of weeks or so, try and get some shows in the can. So when comics come back out and life gets, you know, back to normal and crazy again, we've got some shows for you and we can kind of maybe stay on track a little bit better than yeah. we have. So hopefully everybody is doing well and is safe out there. You do all your social distancing, and if you're like me, you have used hand sanitizer so much that your body looks like you know the thing. You've got so many cracked, you know, skin and everything else going on. I feel like if I turn out the lights, I'm going to glow. I have so much, <laughs> so much stuff See, right now. I have obsessive compulsive disorder, so I wash my hands a lot anyway. So this is just kind of more of the same for me. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, finally, everybody's doing what I'm doing. I am a little more conscious of when I, like, scratch my nose or my face or something, though. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Well, this is where we're going to put in it, folks. Thanks for coming back with us and enjoying the ride of Everyone Loves Young Justice. On the behalf of Jay, this is Rob. You've been listening to the thebatmanuniverse.net. And hey... Everybody loves Young Justice. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to Everyone Loves Young Justice podcast. We are part of the BatmanUniverse.net podcasting network. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can do so a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELYJ podcast. We are also on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash ELYJ pod. You can email under the show at elyjpodcast at yahoo.com, and we will read your comments on the air. If you listen to the show on iTunes, leave a review there. That will help spread the word of the show, and we will read your review as well. Now, if your mode has been crashed, or if you feel a bit whelmed by the show, no infringement was intended. All music and sound clips belong to their respective copyright holders. These are just to illustrate and enhance your listening experience. No coinage is, was, or will be made by this show. Our wives said so. All characters discussed on the show belong to DC Comics. The opinions on this show belong to the two chatterboxes alone. Not that anyone else does, but if you want your voice heard, let us know why everyone loves Young, young Justice. Justice.